practically in our modern era, you hear the word steroid, you think anabolic steroids. For mineral corticoids, they're going to be managing things like blood pressure, glucocorticoid, inflammation, and sugar levels, anabolic androgenic steroids, myogenesis, and the growth of muscular tissue. This is the Man Up Podcast, the doctor's guide to men's health. Each week on our podcast, we discuss various topics in men's health. You have questions that you are too afraid to ask, we have the answers. This week, our episode is titled Juiced Up, Talking Anabolic Steroids. I'm Dr. Kevin Chu, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Dr. Justin Dubin. Justin, that was a that was a great Super Bowl we watched this past, was it last week? Yeah. Was that two, two weeks ago? Sorry, two, weeks two weeks ago. Weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we predicted both of us correctly that Kansas City would win. That's correct. Easy money, baby. Easy money. <laughs> Easiest money I ever made in my life. But uh, yeah, no, it was a good Super Bowl. Weird start, great ending. Can't complain a little bit too long, but you can never bet against Patrick Mahomes. That's what I said from the beginning. And you, and, and you uh, got to know the overtime rules. You got to know the overtime And you got to know the overtime rules, which was very confusing to me as well. I, I didn't understand it. But once I did, then I understood that what they were doing was very dumb San Francisco. So <laughs> Yeah. I, you know, towards the end of that, like, you know, when they weren't like rushing towards the end, when they did eventually score a touchdown at the end of the, whatever, first overtime, I was getting a little nervous. I was like, oh, the, the Chiefs know that they kind of kind of hustle, but I guess they understood, you know, that. There's a second quarter coming along afterwards. So very weird, but I think it was, the, it's a right, it's a good overtime rule. I just think overtime should always be college football. College football is the oh, best overtime the best. rule. The best. I don't understand why it's done any other way. It's I mean, I guess the argument is that what the defense is semi devalued because you're putting them straight on the 35 yard line or whatever. No, I would say that the kickers are, are like just guaranteed. So you're always going to get someone, but someone's going to miss a point. Someone's going to miss something. And then I think you just, you can't take field goals anymore. There's going to be a point. Like if you both go back and back field goals two times, you should just not be allowed to do field goals anymore. That's true. Gotta go for the fourth down no matter what. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that, and that would be awesome. And that would be the best way to do it. But you know, who knows? Who knows? We'll see. Right now, Chiefs are the champs. No question about it. Never had a doubt. It's going to be some time before football comes back. Got basketball, I guess. Basketball regular season is so bad. No one cares. It's just awful. And it's so crazy because I love playoff basketball. NBA basketball is so damn good. We got March Madness, though, coming up. Which, minder, everyone get a vasectomy around that time. Book your vasectomies with me and Kevin. We're happy, happy to help you out and take your time off and uh, watch March Madness. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, other than that, you know, it's time to kind of just hang out. I have my Sundays free. I might read a book. Who knows? You know, oh, that would read be great. a book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a series called Red Rising that I've been wanting to read. So I, I, I heard it's really good. So I think I'm probably going to go into the sci-fi genre for a bit awesome awesome i'm still i'm still trying to wade my way through um dr peter atia's book um it's been very good now maybe we can discuss it in some future episodes but that would be a good idea maybe uh maybe i'll read i have it i own it i just haven't read it yet so very interesting concepts longevity health span so i think a lot of stuff that you know i'm sure our listeners would love to you know kind of listen about as well yeah, yeah, and I think it's always cool to have our opinions on that kind of stuff, too. Absolutely. Now, this episode that we have today, 
uh, is one of our first feature episodes that we recorded live when we were in San Diego together at the last SMSNA meeting, Sexual Medicine and Society North America meeting. And we were joined by uh, one of our good friends, right, Justin? And we, we had a live and great, interesting conversation on anabolic steroids. Yeah, so Dr. Alex Tatum, he is a urologist, director of men's health at Urology of Indiana, and he's the corporate director of men's health uh, at U.S. Urology Partners. Um, he has a very, very big, thriving, successful men's health practice. He is a very, very knowledgeable uh, guy on, you know, when it comes to sexual medicine, men's health, testosterone, fertility. And um, we brought him on to talk about a topic that I think even Kevin and I admit, you know, anabolic steroids. And when we're talking about anabolic steroids, we're not talking about testosterone, which is an anabolic steroid. We're talking about more of the, um, you know, the the illegal ones. The level you know, up. The, le the, the level up ones, you know, Winstrol, Nandrolone, all those, you know, uh, DECA, you know, like, like obviously is Nandrolone is DECA, but, uh, you know, you get the point. So, you know, obviously we have an idea of them, um, but more and more I'm seeing guys come in, whether they've been on them in the past or they're currently on them and, you know, it's something that is not sustainable for them. And a lot of these guys understand that. And I thought it would, we, we really thought it would be a really interesting episode to have, you know, a conversation about them because even though they're illegal, I think it's a lot of people are, are using them and they're not aware of the real risks, just as we've established that people don't know the risks of taking testosterone. These are way less regulated and way right. more potentially dangerous. And it's important that, that guys actually have an understanding of what they're doing and why, what, what they're taking. Um, and, and education is part of that. Justin, you're absolutely correct. I, I have more and more patients that come in and kind of mention like, Hey, yeah, like a year ago, kind of off, you know, off the market, I was able to get, you know, some of this DECA and I gave it a try. And, you know, as men's health specialists, we, like you said, we deal a lot with testosterone therapy. We, we use clomidated HCG on the fertility side to try to help boost endogenous testosterone. But when it comes to these medications, as you'll hear in the conversation, I myself am not very, you know, well versed in this. So I, I learned a ton um, from Dr. Tatum and it's, and, and like Justin said, it's very important for our listeners to understand the risks associated with these, um, very unregulated medications. Right. And, and I think it's just, and people may say like, why are you having an episode on drugs that you don't you know, give or, you know, that are illegal. And I think exactly what we've been saying is because most people don't really know because the, there is some data on it. There's some data on humans, but a lot of it is really hearsay. There's data on horses because some of this shit is actually like, horse steroids. <laughs> but um, once again, you know, if you're a doctor and you care about your patients and you want to know what's best for your patients, you know, I obviously people have autonomy and you got to be dumb if you're going to say my patients are just going to listen to whatever I say. They're not going to do these things. But at least if we can educate them on why they shouldn't do these things or or what happens when you do do these things, um, I think that there's a lot of value in that. So, you know, um, it is. I, I thought you I thought you were about to go the way about like, you know, 
to really be a good doctor to understand, you know, Kevin and I are both currently on. Oh, you know, man. I thought that's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man. I mean, I don't, I don't take anything. I'm, I'm, I'm natty, baby. And if you look at me, you know, I'm natty. I'm the most natty looking guy ever. <laughs> I mean, you're definitely natty. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. You want to? Hey, man. <laughs> the dad but, bod is not a good representation of Winstrol use, you know, or yes, use. correct, <laughs> correct. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I'm not a guy who looks like they they have tre- they take trend, you know. Um, but <laughs> but we do cover all of these all of these kinds of medications. We cover the risks. We you know cover about stacking. We cover about cycling. We cover about the side effects. You know, we explain kind of steroids, what they are, anabolic versus corticosteroids. So this is a really good refresher for people who kind of want to understand the difference between certain steroids, why an anabolic steroid is an anabolic steroid versus a corticosteroid. So, you know, we do kind of get in the weeds here, but I think that sometimes you need to get into the weeds. And, and I think we do get a li- little bit more into the weeds here, but that's fine because I think the people who are interested in this kind of stuff are probably the people who want us to get into the weeds. Absolutely. But, you know, on top of that, it was just awesome. It was fun. We were in the same room together. It was a live episode, great energy, and it, it was just an absolutely fun discussion. Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, being in, in those in, recording together is always much better Tatum is awesome. He's funny. And you get like, we just get the energy. You can feel the energy in this episode. And we got a couple more that we recorded that we're going to be releasing as well. But, uh, you know, I think the camera quality came out great. The shots came out good. The audio came out great. So I I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode. And uh, I think that's all I got to say. What about you? I agree, man. Let's, Let's get into the episode. Enjoy, guys. Enjoy. As men's health specialists, we know guys are shaving their balls. Yeah, we examine a lot of you, so we literally see it, but we also have the data showing it, too. That's right. According to research, over 85% of men trim their pubes. Not only that, but research shows that over 70% of women prefer a partner with at least partially trimmed pubic hair. So, guys... We know you're trimming the hedges, and we know that most women prefer you manscape. So if you're going to shave your balls, why not use the best men's grooming kit around? We're talking about Manscaped. With the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0, you get the Lawnmower 4.0 with their all-new skin-safe electric trimmer that protects your balls from getting those cuts we've all had in the past. You also get the Weed Whacker 2.0 for trimming your nose and ear hairs. And let me tell you guys, we all need to do a better job of this. Yep, that's right. Kevin and I both have the performance package, and we really love it. Manscaping has never been easier for us. And for our listeners, we have a special promotion. Go to manscaped.com and enter promo code MANUP and get 20% off your first purchase. Go get your Manscaped products today. Your balls and your partner will thank you. All right, so we are live here from SMSNA, and we are very fortunate to be joined with Dr. Alex Tatum. Thank you for coming on, man. Thanks, Kev. I appreciate it. Justin, appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, man. This is very cool. Uh, so in person, I feel always is better. Yeah. And, uh, you know, new setup for us. Thanks for helping out with that. My pleasure, man. Actually, Alex helped out a lot with the camera setup. As you've probably seen from our previous episodes, me and Justin have been struggling big time with it. 
But now it's going to look excellent just because uh, Dr. Tatum has helped us out. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Uh, so look, we're going to talk about a topic that I, I want to personally say I don't know much about. I'm not Same. very, you know, uh, you know, informed on it. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to learning a lot about it. So let's start with the first question. Sure. Right, Dr. Tatum, uh, let's break down the difference between anabolic steroids and corticosteroids. How are they different? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the term steroid just refers to the shape of the molecule. And so if you go back to the days of, you know, when we were suffering through organic chemistry, you've yeah. got these, you know, benzene rings, you know, these little, you know, circles, and a steroid has four of those, you know, stacked on top of each other. And really it's the additional structures that are added to that that will differentiate something as being a glucocorticoid, a mineral corticoid, or an anabolic androgenic steroid. And so Whenever someone says steroid from a chemical standpoint, it, it could be any one of those things. But, you know, practically in our modern era, you hear the word steroid, you yeah. think anabolic steroids. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for mineral corticoids, uh, they're going to be, you know, managing things like uh, blood pressure and uh, the transfer of ions in the kidneys, you know, just to help regulate homeostasis. Uh, glucocorticoids are going to manage a lot of your inflammation and right. sugar levels. And then your uh, anabolic androgenic steroids is what causes, you know, sexual differentiation and uh, myogenesis and the growth of muscular tissue. Getting bulked up. Get swole, so. baby. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, obviously, you're, like you said, when we're talking about steroids, people kind of always assume, and especially as men's health doctors, we're talking about anabolic steroids. So yeah. there are different classes of anabolic steroids, though. Is that correct? Yeah, definitely. And so if you kind of further subdivide it, um, if you're in the world of anabolic uh, steroids, there are really three main subdivisions. Um, you know, really what we prescribe every single day is right. the classic base steroid, which is testosterone. Right. You know, that is what we produce naturally, both in men and women. And that is what, you know, regulates, uh, you know, sex drive, libido. It was what facilitates facilitates, right. uh, you know, muscular uh, growth, fat loss and guys, but everything after that is all a synthetic compound that's been created to try and stimulate that same receptor with a little bit uh, differential activity. And so you've got your testosterone, your testosterone derivatives, you've got what are called your 19 NORs. Those are going to be compounds that have removal of the methyl group at the 19th location. That's going to be things like nandrolone decanoate, uh, trestolone or trenbolone. And then you've got your dihydrotestosterone derivatives. So in our bodies, we've got this uh, enzyme called uh, 5-alpha reductase that turns testosterone into dihydrotestosterone, which is a more potent form of that uh, compound. And then we have derivatives of that. And so that's going to be like oxyandrolone, oxymethylone, uh, Winstrol, and a whole host of other compounds under that tree. Yeah, and I think a lot of people know about DHT right. and, and the medications that you know, can inhibit that, uh, the 5-alpha reductase inhibitors, yep. uh, you know, obviously, uh, finasteride, finasteride, detasteride, detasteride, all those. And I think I have a strong take on that, but, uh, and Kevin and I were talking about this the other day. Right. I, I'm not a fan of those medications. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting because uh, everyone's different, right? So you've got this, you know, medication that you could use across a hundred guys. Yeah. And, 
a lot of them would be fine with right. it and may keep exactly. their hair. And some guys can get really messed up and messed up for a long time, even after stopping it. So, you know, hormones are pretty powerful, which is, I think, why anabolic steroids are interesting because they can change our physiology in pretty powerful ways, but that can have unintended uh, consequences. Yeah. Exactly. You know, on that topic of finasteride, as Justin and I were talking, like, just as you said, you know, we don't have a good predictor of if you're going to be one of those patients that mm. is going to unfortunately have some of these side effects afterwards. Um, now, look, let's kind of go back. Uh, let's talk about anabolic steroids, right? It's, it gets a bad rep. Most of the time, they think, you know, illegal medications that bodybuilders are taking. And, sure. you know, this is obviously going to be a lot of what we're talking about today. And I think it's important for our listeners to understand that testosterone is an anabolic steroid. So do you think, Dr. Tatum, there is an unfair stigma on taking anabolic steroids? Oh, yeah, 100%. And I think especially in this, you know, modern era where, you know, so much is driven by, you know, visuals and having a right. certain aesthetic. I mean, listen, I can't pull up Instagram without seeing somebody in a bathing suit, you know, even if it's February, right? Right. And, <laughs> you know, I think that I'm like, and I live in Indiana, man. I mean, nobody. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Jeez. Oh, so Miami is a different beast. Oh, Lord. Well, I think everyone I'm seeing actually lives in Miami. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but you know, if you're looking at it, you know, from the female side, right, that can obviously drive, you know, a lot of body dysmorphia and, you know, desire for plastic surgery and interventions on those sides. But the honest to God truth is that, you know, just about every single fitness model that you see, every single movie star is taking or using there these compounds mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. such ways. And, uh, I, uh, I can say that from a place of, of knowledge, although I can't name names. <laughs> and so, so, uh, you know, these are compounds that are utilized that are pretty potent. Um, and I think it's important that we improve education surrounding this because it's something that is already permeated our society. People just don't want to talk about it. Yeah. And I think I think as we're going to talk about now, you know, people don't want to talk about it. People are using it. And because people don't want to talk about using it, they're probably not using it correctly or safely. Yeah. And that's one of the really big issues. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've overcome a lot of that stigma in other aspects of medicine, you know, especially like recently the opioid epidemic. Right. You know, we've moved from a place of, you know, judging and get out of my office to, you know, comprehending, you know, what the intricacies of addiction are and that these are people that, you know, need our care and we need to better understand uh, what they're going through. And the honest to goodness truth that it's the same thing for, you know, for anabolics. You know, people are taking this for a reason. We need to understand that and we need to know what to look out for. So we can keep folks safe. Yeah. Now, you know, obviously when we're talking about anabolic steroids, you know, testosterone is the big one. Yeah. And that's one that I readily prescribe, you readily prescribe, Kevin readily gives. And we've talked about testosterone a lot of this podcast. We're going to continue talking about testosterone because obviously I think you know, everyone wants to know more about it. Yeah. But how does testosterone differ in general from the other anabolic steroids that we're going to be talking about today? Because really, you know, that's, the flavor of choice uh, for many reasons, I think, but what are your thoughts? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Uh, testosterone, uh, I think is the prototypical steroid because it's what your body knows how to handle. You know, this is, it recognizes it. You know, we often use the term bioidentical, mm-hmm. um, you know, for estrogens, it's a totally different thing. The truth is all testosterone is bioidentical. You know, it just depends what sort of ester it's on. So right. I don't care if it's testosterone, cypionate, enanthate, or propionate. That's just the delivery in a right. vehicle. Mm-hmm. At, the, at the end of the day, your body, 
body sees it and it knows that it can convert it into estrogen with aromatase, convert it into DHT with, you know, 5-alpha reductase. And so it is something that is, you know, very predictable in that regard. However, testosterone, uh, if you're looking at it from a muscle building standpoint, it's going to have a, what we would call a equal androgenic to myogenic effect. Now, that's an arbitrary determination that we've kind of made in this space. So that means that it's going to cause, you know, about as much, let's say, uh, sebaceous gland secretion. So potentiating acne, uh, body hair growth, um, you know, uh, hair loss, as much as it's going to potentiate, you know, muscle growth, obviously with, you know, different effects across different people based right. on, you know, what their genetic makeup is. But that's the, the base uh, kind of like story on testosterone. The big difference between what you and I do in clinic every single day versus what's used in the anabolic context really comes down to dose. That's a fantastic point that I want our listeners to, to, to really take from it, where Dr. Tim's talking about androgenic effects and myogenic effects. Everyone that thinks that they're taking testosterone, you're only going to get effects on your muscles, but that's not it. You're going to have other systematic effects, uh, you know, such as acne or balding that can kind of occur from it, you know? Although I will say with the dosages, I've not seen, you know, I have a lot of patients who are concerned yeah. about hair loss specifically. Yeah. And don't see that as much. Right? I don't really have that as much of a problem unless you're at like really super therapeutic doses. You know, it, it, it's a combination <laughs> of doses along with what is your genetic predisposition right. uh. to androgenic alopecia. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, the one thing I, you know, we can't change in life is who our parents are. Right. And so yeah. you it's can put like <laughs> two different guys, you know, on, uh, you know, the same dose and they're going to respond differently. And so I think it's important to keep that in, keep that in mind. So That's a fantastic point. Yeah. Now, so we're going to highlight a lot of the popular anabolic steroids that, that aren't testosterone. Sure. Right? And so the most important thing that for our listeners to know is that these medications have really major potential risks and that most people who are taking them are not being cared for appropriately and they're not getting them from your usual pharmacy. So anytime you're getting a medication that's not prescribed, uh, or that you know medication that you're not supposed to be taking, you're really putting yourself at risk for right. contaminants and all yeah. that stuff. So let's talk about the first you know anabolic steroid again, area that I'm not so well you know uh, well versed in. So let's talk about Winstrol or Stanzolol. Yeah, uh, how people take them and the risks involved. Yeah, so uh, stanozolol is a you know DHT derivative that is available in really two forms. Um, the first is less common, which is the injectable form, which is actually an aqueous solution. It's usually in like water, and I, it you know just a side note, it burns like ever living fire whenever patients inject it, <laughs> and it has a very short half life. Uh -huh. And so you know injection is not the preferred method of administration for the majority of patients. You know they're going to opt for an oral formulation. Now, what's nice about oral formulations, like with all medicines, right? You just take a pill. It's yeah, a lot, yeah. it's a lot easier. Um, the challenge is, is that whenever you take any oral medication, it's going to go through, you know, what we call first pass metabolism. Mm, so that means that it's going to, you know, filter through the liver before it gets to the bloodstream. And for all of your oral anabolics, you know, Winstrol, you know, being one of the first ones, that's going to put a tax on your liver. And so, you know, guys, 
guys who use a lot of oral anabolics are at risk for a number of different liver diseases. Um, they can get cholestasis, they can get fibrosis of the liver, um, you know, elevated LFTs. I've even seen patients go into liver failure that are taking multiple wow. oral anabolics. And uh, for, not for stenozolol, but for another oral one, uh, oxymethylone uh, anadrol, it's actually the one oral anabolic that's been list, uh, linked to hepatocellular carcinoma. And so, you know, you have to keep in mind that, you know, you're going to be taxing your body with these medications. Um, again, you know, you can use it for short bursts, which is why, you know, bodybuilders will typically what's called cycle, which is take mm -hmm. it for yeah. a short period of time. But that's because of the tax that it exerts on your body. You got to give it time to recover. It's it's like it's so interesting because. One of the reasons why oral testosterone was not on the market for a while was exactly the reason you described. More recently, fortunately, they've been able to, you know, overcome that first pass yep. um, mm -hmm. uh, of, of the oral testosterone. And, you know, we are able to prescribe it in a safe manner yep. now orally. Um, so, you know, that's just to shout out that there are options for people who want to take an oral medication and improve yeah. their testosterones now. Shout out. Exactly. Shout out. And, Shout I, out. and <laughs> I, you know, I think it is important that, you know, uh, we do kind of differentiate, you know, these modern oral testosterone replacement options from these, you know, admittedly old oral right. anabolics right. that, you know, came out in like the 50s, 60s and 70s. You know, none of these are new compounds. Yeah. And so, um, you know, don't equate, you know, the risk of taking oral Oral, like oxandrolone or stenozolol yeah. or winstrol with, you know, the oral testosterone that your doctor prescribes. It's a different, different ballpark. Yeah. Yeah. I also think one thing that all these medications is there's not great data on how to a prop properly dose it, right? It's yeah. really just bodybuilding. Yeah. It's, it's all anecdotal. anecdotal. It's bodybuilders, you know, after the last 50 years, obviously have learned stuff, but they're really learning from my perspective in the way that we talk about it just not to fuck up their bodies, right? Like they're trying to maximize without <laughs> fucking up long-term. Yeah. And as we know that most of these guys, you know, you look at the wrestlers of the eighties, you look at the wrestlers in the nineties, they're not around. Most of them are not around. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you look at the sports that are untested, so where, you know, uh, USADA has no role, it's going to be in Bodybuilding, Mr. Olympia was just two weeks ago um, with the IFBB. Um, they are tested federations, but nobody watches those right. because the best physiques are in the IFBB. Um, powerlifting, the number of powerlifting federations are untested. And then also in jujitsu. And you look at what are the only sports where the average lifespan of the athlete decreases with them participating in that sport. Those, that's it. <laughs> so, you know, and again, I'm not saying that these compounds cannot be used safely, but the 99% you know, of the time, these guys are not plugged in with an educated physician. You know, they are basing it off of what they've read online, what their quote unquote coach is telling them. And I'm not saying anything against coaches. You know, I have a coach that, you know, is bringing me through, you know, my, uh, you know, uh, powerlifting and bodybuilding journey, but, you know, he manages my training, right? Okay. Okay. Like we, we have physicians that manage medication. We've gone to school for a long time to do right. this and to keep patients safe. So it's important that if someone is going to make the choice to pursue this, that they get plugged in with a medical professional who can, you know, keep, keep them safe. Um, the, the best, uh, the best analogy that I feel like I have for this is guys will ask me, you know, doc, is it safe to take anabolics? And what I say is, well, is it safe to drive down the highway at 200 miles an hour? Okay. You can do it. 
But if you look at guys that do that professionally, like in the Nuremberg, okay, they've got entire teams of, you know, mechanics and engineers and they are fucking dialed in, man. And everyone is like, has a a singular vision on this, this goal and they're doing it for a reason, you know, now compare that to the idiot who gets in his freaking Honda Civic, you know, (laughs) trying to relive fast and the furious going 200 miles an hour, you know, on the highway and, you know, guess, guess who ends up as a, you know, a red smear, right? It's the, it's that kid who, you know, just, you know, wants to put pedal to the metal without right. you know like, dotting their eyes and crossing their t's so again can it be done um yeah but it's gonna take a lot of uh, a lot of teamwork a lot of care and it's a uh, it's a lot man you know it's a lot dude that's awesome analogy yeah. awesome analogy for sure all right so let's move on to the next one uh Let's talk about Tremble. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing these right. right. Tremble. Trend. 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 Yeah. yeah. So it's funny. Um, you know, Trend went from being this like, you know, very like uh, kind of mysterious uh, compound that was talked about in hushed tones as one of the most potent anabolic steroids, which it is, um, to becoming like a meme on TikTok. It's all over TikTok. Trend it, is all over TikTok. Which blows my mind because like that's like joking about uranium. It's like, <laughs> like you know, you've got you know, these like kids like, you know, joking about going on trend. And I'm like, that's like saying, oh, I'm going to do a, a, a cycle of like, you know, fucking like cisplatin or chemo or something Damn, like that. So a trend is a 19 nor derivative that uh, so it's in the same category as like trestolone and nandrolone. And um, it kind of has this almost like mythical nectar of the gods uh, status because it is so incredibly potent, not just at building muscle, but preventing muscle breakdown. So it actually has a pretty profound inhibitory effect on glucocorticoids receptors. So the reason why it is so attractive is because you can be in a profound caloric deficit and you can run trend and still put on size. So it is a drug of choice for a lot of bodybuilders going into competition. Now, the drawback is, is that trend was never approved for usage unless you were a French woman with breast cancer in the 70s. France was the only place it was approved was in France in the the 70s. But, um, you know, it is profoundly toxic to just about every organ system imaginable. Um, It's toxic to the kidneys. It's toxic to the liver. It will absolutely trash your blood pressure and your lipids. Um, Something that is important to talk about is the psychiatric effect of these medications. Yes. You know, we talk about how, you know, roid rage isn't a thing with like testosterone replacement at normal doses. This is not testosterone. These are not normal doses. (laughs) This passes the blood brain barrier. And there is actually some data in animals that would, you know, suggest that trend actually kills neurons. Wow. So guys will develop a (laughs) profound amount of paranoia, anxiety anger on trend you can't sleep for a lot of guys that are on it so Yo, if that don't scare you <laughs> i mean yeah i know right but, but bro the gains the gains all <laughs> oh, the gains though the gains and so you know uh you know but trend has become a meme but the honest to goodness truth is that you know the juice uh, isn't worth the squeeze for a lot of people to take any steroid um it's even more so for trend because you can achieve that sort of look with uh, safer medications. The only time that trend, you know, ever, you know, uh, quote unquote makes sense, which, you know, let's be honest, it, it doesn't make sense is for guys that are early in their bodybuilding career that are going right into a competition because it can give that sort of grainy hard gotcha. look that,
that you usually don't get until you've got more mature muscle on your frame. But again, like, what are you doing, man? I mean, how many people <laughs> actually make it pro in bodybuilding? How many people actually capitalize on trading their health for a dollar? Right. Very, very few. Not There's only one Chris Bumstead, man, right. and, yeah. and I ain't him, okay? And it's never going to happen. And you have to be genetically predisposed to 100% for all those guys like – Say what you want about their regimen and all. There is a genetic component. Oh, like 100%. 100%. And people who have the idea that they can just go ahead and, you know, stick a needle in their butt and then all of a sudden, you know, come out looking like Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I mean, nothing could be farther from the truth. Right. I mean, these guys are absolutely Sorry, dialed when it comes to their sleep, their diet, and their training, right. their genetics, and then you add in the anabolics on top of that, and that's how you get these Hollywood uh, physiques, these pro bodybuilder physiques, and it's a lifestyle. So um, again, it's uh, there's a lot of work that goes into it with or without drugs. Yeah, and I don't know, I always tell people when I tell patients is like, yeah, you're not gonna look like that dude. That dude's getting paid $5 million for a movie role you bet your ass if someone was paying me $5 million, paying you $5 million, I have a professional trainer. I have a professional Every cook. second. Every have, second is being you know, tailored. Have, right. So, like, these drugs are not miracles. They're not. And, no. and a lot of it has to do – it's just going to help you achieve a goal, which lifestyle and all these other components really are always the biggest part of. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I always joke with guys. You know, they're like, oh, yeah, I had one – I had one guy come up to me in the gym a little while ago and he was asking me about, you know, getting on uh, some of these additional compounds. He's been on TRT for yeah. years and he's like, oh, you know, I wanted to add in some Anivar, some Deca and, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, well, let's, let's talk about that. Well, why? He's like, well, I'm getting old. I'm like, bro, like no one's paying you to take your shirt off. Okay. In fact, yeah. uh, you know, I, I'm pretty sure some people might pay you to put your shirt on. <laughs> so, you know, again, there's gotta be a reason. Now, I do want to say there is clinical application for us a lot of these, you know, medications. Um, one of my favorite examples is nandrolone decanoate. You know, I love nandrolone because it is one of the most safe anabolics Deca. that we use. Deca for common parlance. Yeah. You know, it's I think it's so hilarious by the way that we've got this one compound nandrolone that we call it not by its name but by the ester it's attached yeah, to. Yeah. <laughs> Go figure. But uh, you know, Deca is uh, long been known in the bodybuilding space to improve joint pain, especially for you know, guys, as they're going into a competition and their estrogen's super low because they're blocking it with AIs, um, you know, and we actually really quantified that when I was in fellowship. We did a, a, a trial where we administered questionnaires to guys, you know, before and after going on DECA. And it was really fascinating. We had some guys get off of narcotics because of the wow. improvement in joint pain. Interesting. And, you know, I have uh, patients in my practice now, um, thinking of one guy in particular uh, who is, you know, a, a ESRD patient. You know, he doesn't have any, na you know, native kidney right. function. He's about to go in for, you know, his uh, his transplant. And by adding in nandrolone to his uh, regimen, you know, all of a sudden, you know, we've got a normal hematocrit, previously anemic, right? Because he isn't getting erythropoietin from his mm -hmm. kidneys. So he's got, you know, good, uh, good uh, density of his red cells, which is super beneficial going into a big surgery-like transplant. And he's been able to relieve a lot of the joint pain that comes from the phosphate deposition in the joints when you've got, you know, uh, ESRD. So, I mean, that's a fantastic example where, you know, by using some of these compounds judici judiciously, we can get a profound improvement in patients, you know, quality of lives. You just got to know when, where, and how to apply it. What's the, what's the uh, side effect, the risk 
profile of DECA? Yeah, so the, the famous side effect when you're running too much DECA, especially without a testosterone base, is DECA dick. And so, DECA dick. DECA dick. So what's interesting is that DECA is fantastically myogenic. And so okay. guys will put on a lot of size and one of the like telltale giveaways are going to be traps, right? And so guys who kind of get this overdevelopment of their traps, um, you, if you look at tested bodybuilding federations versus guys that are untested, the traps are one of the first things that you see, right? Uh-huh. So that's going to be your 19 nors are going to stimulate that. But because DECA is comparatively uh, weak androgenically, it actually does not stimulate uh, the uh, transfer of calcium through the sarcoplasmic reticulum that you need to like dump nitric oxide to get like to get dilation of the penile artery. And so you're you know swole as can be, uh, but <laughs> you can't fucking get it up. And what's interesting is that uh, all the 19 nors are uh, known for having a little bit more psychiatric effects. And one of the interesting things is that like trend will push guys into some pretty like uh, some sexual interest that may be far outside the norm. <laughs> we'll leave a it very at that. Judicious way of saying it. Yeah. 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 And uh, DECA at higher doses can do that a little bit. And you have not seen somebody more frustrated than a dude juiced out on DECA with a little bit of depression, little anxiety, some really intense urges, and it is not working, <laughs> oh, man. man. So uh, if you're ever prescribing DECA uh, as a, as a provider, um, universally guys are going to have to be on some testosterone base in order so they get uh, sufficient uh, androgenic stimulation. So as, as personal question, so where, where, like, how are you prescribing, like, these medications are these through like compounding pharmacies or yeah so it's interesting uh the vast majority of these agents have been approved in the united states at some point um previously so okay. before we had erythropoietin you know we had decadurabolin um you know we had nandrolone uh you know whenever we were trying to prevent you know wasting syndrome and cachexia and burn right. patients right. we had oxandrolone and so they're not you know typically used for those indications anymore but you know they're they'll still they're still legal Right. And so compounding pharmacies yep. can still make them. And, you know, as physicians, we have the liberty to prescribe these medications off label, which is for their myogenic effects. Right. Yeah. Now, obviously, we talked briefly about stacking these medications for, for t- temporary amounts of times. Now, do you want me to design your first cycle, yeah, Justin? That's what I'm yeah, saying. yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Bet. <laughs> How many? Are most people, are they doing one? Are they doing two? Are they doing three? Like, obviously, I I can't imagine more is better in any capacity here. But like, you know, you're stacking it. Are you on one for a month? Then you're coming down with the DECA because it's less on your joint pain. Like, how are people doing this? So, I mean, there's definitely, you know, a little bit of an art when it comes to designing someone's cycle. And so I want to step back and define some terms real fast for our viewers. So, you know, whenever someone has low testosterone, they come to us and they get started on testosterone replacement therapy. Mm -hmm. And our goal for that is a continuous dose of testosterone that gets you to a normal level and keeps you at a normal level. And so the performance enhancement benefits theoretically are going to be minimal because you're just trying to get back to normal, which can be life changing for somebody who's low, but you know, it's not going to turn you, you know, into like, I don't know the, the next Arnold. Right. right? Now, 
Uh, whenever we start talking about anabolics and doing higher doses, you want to do that for a limited period of time right. because of the stress it puts on your body. That's what's called a cycle. And cycles can run for a number of weeks, anywhere from four to 12 weeks, generally speaking, would be a longer cycle. And you're going to be taking much higher doses of anabolics during that time for an effect. And then afterwards, you're going to come off. And you can either come off and go cold turkey, and a lot of people, they're going to try and incorporate some of what they might call post-cycle therapy. So you're going to be utilizing compounds that we're familiar with, right. like, you know, anastrozole, tamoxifen, yeah. you know, Clomid, Clomid HCG. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are waking up to the fact that you're probably be on HCG the entire time they're on anabolics, but they're trying to restore that native function. Or you have guys who are just, you know, fully committed and maybe they had testosterone deficiency and they're already on TRT beforehand and they do what's called blasting and cruising where they're going to sit at baseline at a testosterone replacement dose and then temporarily amp things up, you know, crank it up a notch for that cycle for a period of time. So that's kind of the basics of, you know, the terminology. And then the question is, you know, what do you take and when and how much? And so for most, uh, most individuals, you can run anywhere from one to three anabolic compounds. You can do more than that, obviously. Um, and you know, a lot of guys are going to listen to this in the bodybuilding world and roll their eyes and say, right. this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah. But generally speaking, you know, kind of a well-designed anabolic cycle is going to have your testosterone base taken care of. So almost every cycle that's designed these days, you're going to maintain a testosterone base to try and make sure that you're going to get that conversion to estrogen. So yeah. you're protecting your heart, protecting your joints. Then a lot of people will add in a 19 nor if they really like them. Not everybody likes the 19 nors, um, but that's going to be your nandrolone, your trend, or your trestolone. And then uh, people will add in a DHT derivative on top of that. And so uh, the there's a little bit you know of nuance to that. So for example, if you start pinning a high, so injecting pinning a high dose of test, you know, and uh, Deca, for example, you're not going to really feel that in the gym. You're not going to feel like you're on steroids for about three to four weeks for most patients. Um, that being said, if you know I gave you some Anivar, which is an oral steroid, you're going to feel that within a day or two. And so what a lot of people will do is they will use their oral to kick off their cycle until their injectables really kick in. Now the question is, how long do you run it? Um, truthfully, in all instances, we're looking for what's called the minimum effective dose. So what is the minimum amount of dose to get you the results that you need with the least amount of stress to your body? So I'm a fan of shorter cycles because you're going to reduce your exposure. Yeah. Because if you look at you know these you know charts, looking at muscle gain over time, you know really six to eight weeks you're going to get 80% of what you would for going up to 10 to 12 in most cases. And, you know, for again, for most people, the juice isn't worth the squeeze to go for a prolonged period of time. So that's kind of a general, you know, scheme for structuring your cycles. But yeah. I don't know about you, Justin, but that's fascinating to me because, uh, you know, again, I commonly just prescribe just a tea, all this like stacking and putting these other medications on. I'm not very well versed. Well, I think also, you know, it's a lot on the provider, right? Like oh, these yeah. are guys that are, you know, very in tune with their bodies. Obviously they're going to be messaging you. They're going to be calling you about every little dose, every, these are micromanagers and I'm not knocking those patients. It's just, yeah. that's, they have a specific goal. It's very intense, obviously. Yeah. And, and there's, 
intense as we've discussed there's a lot of intense potential side effects so it's it's fucking scary yeah i mean it goes back to the car analogy right i mean i drive a 20 some odd year f-150 man like you know i change the oil you know once every couple of months yeah. fill it up at the tank and that's it and i don't think about it but again if you're driving you know balls to the wall on a track then you've got an entire team that's getting all these analytics looking at brake pressure and everything else because otherwise you're going to go off that track yeah. and it's the same with this because even though let's say oh you know i only want to take two to three compounds in order to stay safe you're gonna have to add in what are frequently called ancillaries so these are other medications so for example your blood pressure is going to go up so a lot of people you know they need to add in a beta blocker so you're talking about adding in something like coreg or nabivolol because you also need to get that sympathetic stimulation of the heart down okay the heart's a muscle and you're exposing it to stimulus when it comes or you're exposing it to these compounds you don't want to get hypertrophic cardiomyopathy right so all you can do is reduce the amount of work your heart's doing so it doesn't get the same stimulus that it would as if it were working you know constantly at you know, like 100 100 you know uh, 20 beats per minute so you're adding in a beta blocker well that isn't going to cut it for blood pressure most of the time so then you're going to have to add in a calcium channel blocker <laughs> if you're running a 19 nor you're going to be specifically at risk for the animal data for your deca yeah. uh, looks awful but it's, it's mostly uh, horse data am I uh, uh, the deca mouse mouse mouse, mouse data and it looks you know freaking terrible but it's been shown that if you inhibit the you know uh, ras system so renin and angiotensin aldosterone system with something like uh, a, a arb or lisinopril you know a um um um, man, ACE inhibitor, you are going to potentially prevent that. All right. Well, cool. Well, on top of that, you're taking an oral steroid that's going to mess with your liver and especially just even high dose testosterone that's going to throw off your lipids. So all of a sudden you're going to be on a statin. You're going to be on, you know, some other like niacin or other, you know, compound to try and, you know, take care of that. So you, you went into this only wanting to take two or three and you're taking this fistful of pills every, <laughs> every day. Every day, wow. you know, sticking, you know, five, six needles in your yeah. ass in a week. And so, I mean, yeah. And once you get on that train, it's real hard to get off. So, I mean, saddle up, cowboy. You know, is this really what you want? You know, how bad do you want to look like that guy on Instagram? Have you have you guys seen the documentary Icarus by any chance? Oh, it's amazing. I've watched oh, some of it. Bro. So good. Oh, my God. I love it. I love it's this so much. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. But then just watching that, you know, the guy, he's like, I'm going to start injecting. And then next thing you know, he's like, I just got all these needles. I'm injecting my ass all the time. I'm bruising here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'll tell you, though, uh, if you like that, you need to watch uh, Bigger, Faster, Stronger. That's right? fantastic. Dude. Dude, you know, he's in the middle of trying to put together a Bigger, Faster, Stronger 2. And I cannot wait for uh, it. That was such an enlightening documentary yeah in terms of like the supplement industry in terms of all that stuff there's it's a wild shit man it really is. wild shit it yeah. is i mean but you know i think it's so important for us to uh to know about this as a mental health specialist right. because this is what is facing our patients That's right. and you know we need to be advocates for them and we need to be able to speak to them intelligently about these topics so even if you know as people watch this podcast and they're yeah. like i'm never prescribing those meds that's cool you know i'm not asking you to but if you educate yourself then you can speak to patients and maybe you can prevent someone from hurting themselves or now you know what to watch out for yeah and and i also i just think that everything that we talked about and we're not we're still not done but if i'm a patient and i'm or i'm trying to learn about anabolic steroids and i'm like yeah you know my buddy has some trend that i'm 
he's willing to sell me. You listen to this and you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. It's not just Trent, right? Yeah. Like, I'm going to be on uh, like if, and some people stuff. are, but some people are just on Trent and they don't know about this, all this other stuff. So yeah. then they're really harming yeah. themselves with the, with not doing this other thing. And, so it's enlightening. Uh, yeah, I know. It's interesting. And the biochemistry is so complex because for example, you know, Trent is not a substrate for aromatization. So that means that it doesn't turn into estrogen. Right. So all of a sudden you are going to be going through a lot of menopausal type symptoms yeah. because you're going to have zero freaking estrogen in, right. in your body, which we know is cardiotoxic. Yeah. We know is neurotoxic eats your joints alive. <laughs> like, you know, you're there under the bench and it's just like creak, 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 creak. And, and it's so, such an interesting yeah. thing for that because I see so many guys who have been on some kind of cycle and, or they've just been on aromatase inhibit, uh, you know, uh, they've just been blocked out of estrogen for years and, and, I don't know why, but in the community, some five, 10 years ago, it used to be thought like guys didn't need estrogen or maybe it's in the, this yeah. world that guys don't need estrogen. And they come to me and they're like, why aren't you putting me on anything to get my estrogen levels? I was like, dude, you're, you need estrogen. Yeah. You do. You do. I mean, you know, uh, it, I will say though, I mean, you need estrogen because otherwise just just as women need testosterone, men yeah. need estrogen. Yeah. Um, but again, when you're running really high doses, then you have to watch out for things like gynecomastia yeah. because you know, it's a combination of uh, prolactin, uh, estrogen and IGF one that can all stimulate breast tissue production. And so you want to go ahead and you have to keep, you know, that at a normal level but this is also the problem. Like we know, generally speaking, a testosterone to estrogen ratio of 10, 10 to, one to one is pretty yeah. desirable in men. But dude, you're pinning freaking like, you know, five, six cc's of test a week, okay? Right. But if you let that, you know, uh, that ratio continue, you're gonna get gyno. I'm just yeah. throwing, there's and you're a gonna threshold. get water There's retention. a threshold of and, estrogen, And yeah. so you're gonna have to drop that with right. an AI, and then you're gonna get differential expression, yep. and you're gonna have side effects from yep. that. So, I mean, again, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot more to this than sticking a needle in your ass. Yeah. That's, that's a great point. Now, there's another interesting drug that, that's often used off-label, right? These are, you know, SARMs or SARMs. SARMs. So, yeah. can you tell us about them? Yeah, don't do them. Um, <laughs> so, you know, if you think about it, like all of these anabolic steroids, okay, they're steroids because they've got that, uh, you know, four ring structure. Mm -hmm. All right. And we use them because they can bind to receptors and, you know, uh, cause this downstream activity that we're interested in. Now, the goal is, well, you know, instead of putting a needle in your in your butt, what if we could come out with an oral medication that can still bind to the androgen receptor? And so we have these compounds. None of them have ever come to market in the United States. They are sold online as quote unquote research compounds, mm -hmm. just the way that you'd be able to buy basic reagents for your biochemistry lab. Yep. But you know, they've got freaking branding on them of like a Jack rhinoceros yeah. or something. So clearly, I mean, they, we didn't have any of that in my lab in undergrad. <laughs> um, and so these are going to have a lot of different names, rad 140, Osterine, mm -hmm. yep. et cetera, et cetera. And uh, these are going to bind to the antigen receptor. And unfortunately, it, they are very unpredictable in their long-term outcomes. There's been a lot of data that's shown that they can be carcinogenic. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to get a lot of contamination in these underground labs, especially with those orals. And again, just because you buy something doesn't mean that you're getting that. Yep. Uh, 
And so the most messed up guys that I have seen have been guys that have used SARMs. They've not been guys using just anabolics. And that's because the possibility for contamination and for really irregular uh, receptor interaction is profound. I mean, we know that just by taking finasteride for a little bit, you know, it can screw up your hormones lifelong. Yeah. I mean, this can, this can jack up your receptors for forever. Yeah, I mean, the, the SARMS journey is an interesting one because, you know, it was designed originally, just like a lot of these are things, to treat, you know, cancer patients. I think it was, yeah. the original study was to look at women also with metastatic breast cancer, and it did. It was it was taken off. They ended the study because it just wasn't working. And, yeah. then, and then there was a point where you could actually buy a SARM, I believe, in like GNC and stuff. Oh, yeah. And you 100. could buy these SARMs. Yeah. And... I think it was in 2007, I think they changed the law. And then since then, it's been off market and you're buying it online. Yeah. But the interest in SARMs has, you know, I published on this, has still con continues to rise because the concept of taking a medicine that specifically is signaling to your, you know, androgen receptors right. in your muscle without getting the impact on your testicles or impacting your fertility, it seems like a pipe dream. Yeah, it's attractive, point. right? It, that's yeah. you're selling a pipe yeah. dream, but it yeah. it is very much a pipe dream, and you know it's funny because I've you know had some guys reach out to me and they're like, well, you know, I'm interested in SARMs because you know I'm kind of afraid of putting a needle in your butt, and I'm like, dude, sticking a needle in your ass is the easiest part of being on steroids. <laughs> I was like, if you if you are not like ready for that, you ain't ready for this, okay? Because honestly, like that little pinch is is the easy part. Yeah. So. Um, I will say, I just have to put this out there every time the topic of SARMs is brought up. You know, people always lump in ibutamorin, uh, MK677, mm -hmm. as a SARM. It is not a SARM. It is a growth hormone secretagogue. It is a ghrelin uh, receptor agonist. It is just a very nitpicky thing. So that is, if you see that, you know, uh, again, don't buy it off some random place online, but compounding <laughs> pharmacies can make ibutamorin and it is good at stimulating growth hormone uh, secretion and it is, you know, actually incredibly safe. So, but it gets lumped into that because it's got, you know, a uh, two letters and, uh, you know, three numbers behind it. Now, I mean, obviously all this stuff, one of the biggest things that, you know, Kevin and I always harp on in testosterone and anabolic steroids in general is the side profile of, you know, using it forever, pretty much, you become mm -hmm. dependent on it, and you become infertile. And, uh, you know, the medications that we talked about today, you know, these are things that mostly younger guys are interested in trying. Yeah. I'm guessing they have the same impact. I mean, uh, they, they stimulate the androgen receptor. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and you know, as you know, guys who specialize in male fertility, like ourselves, yeah. you know, we often see the the guys who get tagged with infertility as a yep. result of this. The challenge is, is that even if you look at the best papers, you know, um, University of Miami came with a good paper recently looking at sperm recovery rates right. with men that have been on anabolic steroids and given uh, urinary uh, HCG and FSH. Um, that's interesting, and it gives us an idea of maybe what men can expect when they come to us with infertility. But the problem is we don't know the denominator. There are so many men on anabolics that, you know, I know outside of medicine who have no problem getting people pregnant. Right. You know? Exactly. And so again, it is something that, you know, just because your buddy says it's not going to happen to you or no, I had no problem getting my wife pregnant. It doesn't mean it's going to be the same story for you because of that differential, uh, expression, you know, or manifestation in patients. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. Like I've had patients come in, they're like, I'm a full blast TRT. 
they're like, I've had three kids. And you're <laughs> like, well, good for you. <laughs> and none of them look like you. None. <laughs> Bro. No, I mean, I, I think one thing that guys don't understand is, okay, I come off, I could do HCG, Clomid, FSH, whatever. The problem I have with a lot of these guys consistently is they just don't feel good. Even, you know, I, it, and that's the worst part. You know, yeah. the argument becomes, hey, man, I've recovered. You know, I've been in situations where I've seen guys, they're on FSH, HCG. I put them on. They're on it for like six months. They're like, dude, I can't hold out any longer. They had no sperm in their ejaculate. They get sperm in their ejaculate. Yeah. They're like, I need to get back on this shit right away. I, you know, I give them. And I say, listen, if you really are that miserable, you know, they can't work. I put them on TRT with HCG, bottom back. It goes away sometimes for these yeah. guys. They feel better and they lose their semen. So it, it's not like, I mean, at some point you can go back on, but that journey for a lot of couples is hard. And I, and I tell the female partner, like, I understand. And it's, just, it's simple to say, like, get off everything. But when your testosterone's like, you know, these guys' testicles are just burned out. And, yeah. You know, you give them everything. They're able to make a little bit of sperm, but their still testosterone is at 75. How, you know, it's hard to get through the day. And, you know, a lot of guys are going to, it's one thing that is a big part of this equation that we can't test with our regular, you know, uh, blood draws is androgen receptor expression. Right. Like we know that uh, our body is going to try and go back to homeostasis. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so we put our thumb on the scale and, you know, we douse somebody in androgen. So their testosterone is so high, you can't measure it. But, you know, unfortunately, uh, they're going to have down regulation of their androgen receptors. So even if they go back down to, you know, a normal test level of 600 700 it's never going right. to feel exactly. normal right. they are going to feel low um and uh you know again there's just such unpredictability when it comes to the world of fertility um you know the baylor team with dr lipschultz is presenting some uh data at this meeting actually showing that some men can stay on trt if they go on hcg and fsh mm -hmm. and they get sperm back into the ejaculate but i know for a fact having been dr lipschultz's fellow we have plenty of people that that didn't work you right. have to take yes. them off testosterone yeah maybe they get some back and some guys who just never do yeah. right. And so, you know, you, you really are rolling the dice whenever right. you whenever you start to dip your toes in this water. So that actually leads to the whole homeostasis kind of idea. I want to ask you, because a lot of patients come and ask me that, you know, they're hypogonadal. They're like younger, like mid-30s or something like that. They had their kids. You know, they're not worried about that. But the question they always ask me, and I want to get your opinion on it, is like, you know, is this a medication I'm going to stay on life? Or is this something I'm going to be able to come off of? You know, um, that's an interesting question. For the majority of men, um, yeah, once you get on this, you, it's going to be very difficult for you to get off. Um, I have been really impressed with some younger patients, like in their 20s, who, let's say we put them on HCG yeah. and they actually lose weight, they actually stop smoking, stop yeah. drinking, make positive life changes, which you know we see in our fertility patients, yeah. right? Yeah. And those guys who do it for sperm and also overall health, you can see their testosterone improve. And so the low testosterone is reversible to a degree, yeah. but whenever you get to that point where you actually get on testosterone yeah. itself, you're going to suppress your natural production. Yeah. And, you know, once you're on it, you know, you're on it, man. Yep. Yeah. I, I, the one thing I always struggle with, and, and this is what you see all over, you know, for a lot of these men's health clinics, a lot of these things is this idea of optimization. And 
I always have a problem with that because I think that, you know, when we're talking, like a lot of the stuff you're talking about mm-hmm. is truly that's re- optimization beyond optimization, right? Yes. Now, it's performance enhancement. Right. It's performance enhancement. Yeah. I don't th- consider myself as an optimizer. I consider myself like, kind of, oh, sorry. I think we're still good, right? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so I, I, I see myself as someone who's trying to get you back to where, you know, to where you're feeling good, a therapeutic level. I don't, I don't, I never understood like, you know, people are like, well, we want to get your testosterone to an optimal level. I don't know what that level is. And I don't kind of understand what that level would be. Um, unless I'm putting you on a medication where I knew you were hyper hypogonadal or you were symptomatic. And as far as I'm concerned, if you, your symptoms are cured, you're in a therapeutic dosage. I, I consider you optimized. Now, I don't think everyone agrees with that. I want to yeah. hear your, both your thoughts. I'd like your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, what do you what do you think, Kevin? Well, I, I think that's tough. I, again, optimal. What is that? It changes right. for each person. Right. right. Each person is different. I've had a patient who comes in. They're like, you know, they're like, my number is six fifty. I'm not feeling good. Right. Right. My six fifty. So I want to be optimized. Again, I agree with you. I have no idea what that means. I'm like, hey, you're you're within good range, and but you know we're not achieving it symptomatically. You know, um, I don't know. I think it's a tough question. I also I, think that, but to what you're saying is, sometimes it's not testosterone, and people point their finger towards testosterone levels. Yeah. There's other things. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, full disclosure. You know, I'm on testosterone, right. and I have days that I feel like garbage. Right. And you know, that's because you know life comes at you fast. You know, I've got you know young kids at home, yeah. as do you, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, you know, you don't get great sleep all the time. Right. You get stressed at work. You've got you know struggles in your relationship. I mean, there is a lot that contributes to that feeling of well-being that we crave mm-hmm. as guys, yeah. and it it's you know a little too convenient to point our finger at just one number, yep. and so. You know, when guys start coming in and they start using the word optimize and they have a normal testosterone level and they haven't been on anything, we're not dealing with some sort of more complex yeah. issue. I actually say, you know what? You're right. We do need to optimize you. What's your sleep look like? Right. What's your mm-hmm. exercise look like? What's your diet look like? Right, right. And if you want to be optimized, let's optimize those things within our control. And so, you know, I think that there has been a lot of uh, miseducation out oh, yeah. there oh, yeah. um, because, again, people want a pill you know in this case people want a shot um but you know with healthy lifestyle choices you know you may never need to visit my clinic or at least not till you're in your late 60s or 70s (laughs) yeah Yeah. Yeah. i think it's a great point and i just i just wanted to bring that up because i see it non-stop and i think that like everything we talk about we're all fans of you're a director of biohacking though yeah (laughs) yeah right um you know i i just i think about these things and you know I think that as much as we love testosterone, I love giving testosterone patients, we also know when not to give it. Yeah. And there is this push online for some companies that are saying, hey, listen, we're gonna, your levels are good, but they can be actually even better than good. They need to be optimized. And then I have those guys come to me and say, well, I'm at 2000, you know, I've been putting, yeah. and it's hard to come back. 
it's hard to pull some of these guys. Yeah, I know, especially when they become hyper fixated right, on a right. number that can change based on the time of day. Yeah. And, you know, if you it's funny, if you go and you work out, dude, like if you just crush it in the gym today, guess what? Your testosterone is going to be shit in the morning. Mm -hmm. OK, yeah. same if you go out and you have a couple drinks. And so this is a moving target. And I think that, you know, it's up to us to try and advocate for whole body wellness yes. and not just, you know, you know, hammer and a hammer and nail approach to men's health. Yeah. I, I love that because yeah, everything you do, a lot of things that you're being informed on online now is basically saying like, Hey, look, you know, I'll, I'll say it, like physicians are, you know, Oh, they're saying I, I don't need tea. You know, they right. say my numbers, my T's are fine. The physicians are gatekeeping. No, because you know, you done the studies. We try to understand as much. And you know, just like Dr. Tam was saying, Maybe it's like whole body. It's not just that that shot. It's not going to fix a lot of things. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the angle where we're coming from. No, I, yeah, yeah. And especially we just talked about, you know, if you are, uh, we talked about all the side effects of anabolics. If you're coming into this with a normal testosterone level, in order to get that differential uh, expression of, you know, putting on size and mass and serious muscle, you're going to have to do a true anabolic cycle, which means you are really in for it. <laughs> like, and so, I mean, I, uh, I will tell patients and, you know, guys that I know from the gym, like, like, look at me, like I am someone who is on testosterone therapy. Okay. I have unlimited access to labs. I have unlimited access to medication. I understand this better than most people. Yeah. And dude, juice is not worth the squeeze. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm just oh, telling great. you, man, yeah. like uh, it's just, it, it, again, you know, I, uh, I love working out. I love fitness. I love bodybuilding, you know, but there are just, you know, some lines that yeah. I know that I am, you know, not willing to cross because right. again, man, you know, nobody's paying me to take my shirt off, you know, <laughs> someday. Someday, Someday. There you go. I, don't know. I don't know, man. They got a hot tub over at the hotel, so you know we'll see what happens. Uh, like. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, this was awesome. Any final thoughts, comments for our listeners? I mean, you had a pretty good summary right there at the end. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Ultimately, you know, what I would try to encourage all of our listeners to do who are kind of, you know, uh, learning about this space, maybe they're flirting with the idea of anabolic steroids is, you know, instead of focusing on a singular aesthetic, instead of focusing on compounds, you know, try to focus on living the absolute healthiest life possible. You Love know, it. try to invest time in yourself when it comes to getting to the gym, working out, get yourself a coach or a trainer. Whenever you lose your health later in life, you would spend any amount of money to get that back. So why wouldn't you just invest that on the front end? And so if you do that, you actually, you know, spend, let's say 200, 500 bucks on a consultation with a nutritionist. I know that sounds like an obscene amount of money to some people, but the knowledge you can get from that is going to add so many years to your life and quality to those years that it will, your future self will thank you. So focus on health, focus on wellness, longevity, the sustainability that's what it's all about and you know uh if anything beyond that please you know partner with a doctor you know come awesome. see us now where can our listeners find you all uh, of our information yeah absolutely so uh, you know i uh my uh, practice website is indie uh indymenshealth.com uh you can find me on twitter uh alex you know dot tatum um i'm on instagram as dr alex tatum and uh our uh, youtube page is uh indy men's health as well awesome man this yeah. was great this is awesome this was awesome thanks, thanks for coming on thanks taking for the time we appreciate it my pleasure guys
Thanks for having me, man. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get you on virtually, too. We'll, yeah, we'll do it virtually. We're, we're gonna do, yeah, this yeah. is going to be a, a recurring guest. Yeah, yeah. Our, our listeners don't know this. We're actually going to start suggesting on some shit, and then we're going to follow <laughs> up. We're going to do Trimix injections. Six months from now, he's not going to have any neck. Yeah. Just, <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> awesome, right. dude. Thanks. Yeah.